are glad to be here. Thank you for Steve, our new pastoral resident, or will be pastoral resident, uh, preaching for us last week. You did a great job. Thank you, sir, for doing that. Uh, we are in our summer series. It is the middle of July, and we're glad that you are here to worship the Lord together. Amen? We're going to be studying Habakkuk. You got to get that hard K this morning if you're going to say it with me. It's Habakkuk, all right? And uh, you may never have heard of that, but we are actually going through every single book in the Old Testament. We're trying this journey to go through every single book of the Old Testament to see Christ in all of Scripture. And my prayer, as we have done this, and we're right now in the minor prophets, we're in seven or eight, I think Habakkuk is seven or eight of the minor prophets, but my prayer, as we have done this, we started in Genesis, and now we're in Habakkuk, but uh, my prayer is, is that you'll be able to see the word of God as beautiful, all of it. Not just the famous passages that you know, but the entire book as it presents this beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This wonderful story of God's redemption of his people, his glorious nature. Of who God himself is and his salvation of you, his creation, created to be in the image of God. It is such a beautiful story and we can see it even in the story of the little known book of Habakkuk. Last time we were together, we studied the book of Nahum, which is less known there's some famous passages in the book of Habakkuk. It's, Nahum is less known than Habakkuk. And we saw God as the great avenger who will by no means clear the guilty. And Nahum reminded us that the Lord was going to punish these wicked Assyrians for their ruthless acts committed. Not only against people, but against God's people. And their wicked acts will not go unpunished. And so God is this God of justice. And then you have the unexpected happening in the next book of the Bible. The prophet Habakkuk. Did you know that our God is an un? An, unexpectant God? You, think about it. The gospel itself, the good news message that God would come down to be born as a baby in a manger, to live a, a humble life, and then to die on a cross, a criminal's death, that's unexpected. Unexpected, maybe, is a better English term. But it's in its beauty, the gospel is unsuspecting. God takes what is low and forgotten and abandoned and humble 
and makes it into his glorious image. And Habakkuk has problems. Maybe Habakkuk's read Nahum. And he realizes God is the great avenger. Well, why is he not avenging now? Habakkuk, let's read it together. This is what he says in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous so justice goes perverted. Habakkuk's got questions. And his questions are, where are you, Lord? How come you do nothing with the wicked? Maybe you've got some questions like Habakkuk. Maybe you've come here this morning not understanding the ways of God in your life. Uh, Habakkuk is, is what we're uh, what what is called a lament. That is what he's doing. He's lamenting. Almost a complaint. Where are you, Lord? Why are the wicked prospering? Why am I seeing all this iniquity around me and you do nothing? I thought that you were the great avenger. I thought you would make this right. What are you waiting on? Why am I suffering? Why am I having to go through this sickness? Why is my child acting out? Why is my marriage in the depths of destruction? I I got questions. Right? Where are you, God? Maybe, Maybe you're asking that. Maybe you have asked that before. I got questions. I find throughout the scriptures that that godly men and women are constantly crying out to the Lord God. But the key is they're crying out to the Lord expecting him to answer. They're not complaining expecting him to do nothing like the Israelites complaining in the wilderness. They are lamenting to the Lord in expectation that he responds. Habakkuk is no different. We'll later see that he waits in expectation for the Lord to respond to him. And the Lord does respond to him first. This is a conversation with him and the Lord, and we get to see it. Verse 5, this is the Lord's answer. Scott read this earlier. Look among the nations and see. Wander and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. The unexpected God is going to do a work that you would not believe. 
verse 6, this is what he says. For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings, not their own. That's not what we expected from the great avenger to bring up a wicked nation to destroy his own people. Is it? The Chaldeans, another term for the vile and wicked Babylonians. We've heard that term before. We hear it throughout the scriptures. We remember the Tower of Babel. The beginning of Babylon. The plains of Shinar. Where Babylonians live. Remember who was a Chaldean first. God called a man from the Ur of Chaldeans. His name would be changed to Abraham. God would call a man out of Babylon to be his people. And now... The wicked Babylonians are coming against his people and he is the one sending them. Let's read about these wicked Babylonians. Verse 7, they are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on their horsemen come from afar they fly like an eagle swift to devour they have military technology it's called horses they all come for violence all their faces forward they gather captives like sand at kings they scoff And at rulers they laugh, they laugh at every fortress for they pile up earth and take it. When they sweep by like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. Mighty warriors, the Babylonians who take what they want, destroying everything in their path. And God is raising them up to destroy Jerusalem. We've talked about this many times. The reason for this is the idolatry of God's people. Turning to other gods instead of their own God. And Habakkuk, this isn't the answer that he was looking for. God, we see all this injustice happening around me. I see all these things happening to me, your righteous prophet, the guy who knows the word of God. I see all of our world, and I'm looking for you to to pour out your justice and wrath. and, and, And God says, I'm coming not just for them, but for you. And Habakkuk's standing there, and he's saying, are you not God? He even gets a bit feisty here. I like that word about Habakkuk. He's a bit feisty. And, and sometimes my mom would, as my mom would call it, getting on his high horse. 
Because we think we know that we are right. We know what God should do, right? And so he, he almost acts as if he backs God into a corner, giving him his reasons for why God will not send the Babylonians to destroy Jerusalem. Here's verse 12. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. Are you not God? Really? You're going to send the Babylonians to destroy your holy city? O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? So his question is, you're way too pure to see evil, and you're way too pure to see wicked people swallowing up your own people who are more righteous than them. The Babylonians are wicked. You, you surely won't do that, will you? And then he compares in the rest of the chapter Babylon to the ruthless fisherman who takes what he wants from his dragnet from the nations so that he himself can live in luxury while he mercilessly kills people and nations for his own benefit. And so he makes this argument to the Lord and he says, I'm going to post myself up here and wait for you to respond. 2 verse 1, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. When we are confused, when we don't have the answers, we must as a people, as a church, cry out to the living God. As parents, as co-workers, as pastors, we must cry out to the one who can and will do something about it. And guess what? The Lord does answer Habakkuk. And the Lord's answer applies to us today. No matter what happens in the future with our nation, with inflation, with gas prices, with your job, with the Supreme Court, with the American church, with Northwest Baptist Church, with our presidency, with the war in Ukraine, no matter what happens, the answer from the Lord God Almighty in chapter 2 rings true today as it did in the day of Habakkuk. Let us hear what the Lord responds to Habakkuk's complaint. Let's stand in honor of reading God's word as we stand in reading it. We'll start in verse 2. 
Remember, Habakkuk is standing and waiting for the reply from the Lord. And the Lord answered me, chapter 2, verse 2. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. The word of the Lord this morning, you can be seated. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that as we hear these words from the Lord God Almighty, as he continues in chapter 2 to pronounce his judgment and his purposes for which he does what he does. We recognize that we as a people must trust the Lord. No matter what we face in our life, we must understand that his ways are higher than our ways. His purposes are greater than our purposes. And yet we cannot see all that he is doing even through the most difficult times in our life. Help us, Father, to understand the truths of this scripture so that we may cling to them in our heart and we may be uplifted and encouraged to walk with our God until he calls us home. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Sometimes you don't appreciate some of the people in your life in the moment until maybe a later time in your life. Maybe as a teenager, you don't appreciate your mother, right? All the things that she did for you, all the practices she took you to, all the meals that she cooked, all the time she spent making sure your day went out off without a hitch. But for me, as I was meditating on this scripture, reading through this book of Habakkuk, one of the people in my life that I look back and I see this unwavering faith, the most difficult of situations, the most difficult of times in my life was my grandmother. You can put a picture of her on the screen right there. Her her grandmother name was Grams. You guys you guys would you you would love her if you had met her. Uh, she she loved tennis just like Brenda, our our secretary, does loves tennis. She loved leopard prints. She wore leopard print swimsuits, shirts, jackets, fur coat, whatever it was. She loved the leopard print. 
She loved beating people at Chinese checkers as well. She had six beautiful girls, and I'll, I'll repeat that. Six girls, okay? So my mom is one of six girls, Annie, Janie, Betsy, Melanie, Murphy, and Emily. They were all almost a year, a year and a half apart. So uh, you can put that slide on there. That's all of them right there. So six beautiful girls. Number two, Janet, my wonderful mother, right? And, uh, and uh, if you've if you ever seen them, or you will see them at some point, they'll, they'll be here in the church at some point, but they are a hoot together, right? Growing up, we used to go to South Texas, and uh, it was wild. We'll just say that. But they lived in Alice, Texas, and her husband, Grams's husband, owned Price Drilling Company, and they seemingly had everything growing up. In that day and time, the 60s and the 70s. Um, but when my mom was a senior in high school, uh, Grams's husband left her. Left the six girls. He had an affair with her best friend. And I, I can't imagine, and some of you in this room um, have had to go through something of that effect, but I can't imagine the hurt and the pain that she had to go through in her life. Yet, her testimony to her children and to her grandchildren was that she never lost faith in her God. Truly, she was an example to me in my childhood, even, even though I didn't see it at the time of someone who lived by their faith. And at the end of God's answer to Habakkuk, Habakkuk actually gives a prayer back to the Lord. And in his prayer, let me read it to you. This is, this is feisty Habakkuk again. In his prayer back to God, not understanding all of the things that are going on. Not understanding why Babylon is coming against him. Not understanding why the Lord would do all these things. He gives the Lord a prayer back in 3.17. And he says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, The produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the Lord God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Even though I don't see the fruit on the vine, even though my life is barren, my life doesn't turn out like I wanted it to, I will trust in my God. You don't hear that very often. Preached, 
You don't hear that message preached. What you hear is, if you trust in God, you will receive a reward. If you trust in God, your finances will grow. If you trust in God, your relationships will be better. If you trust in God, your marriage will be made secure. But that is not the reward. The reward is God himself. The reward is that one day everything will be made right and you will see the glory of God himself forever. This is where Habakkuk gets to. No matter what happens in my life, I will trust in my God. And when we live by our faith, we display the glory of God to a world that doesn't understand. There's so much richness in this passage, we cannot miss it. Look at verse 2, and the Lord answered me. First of all, the Lord will answer you. When you cry out to the Lord, he will answer you. He may be answering you through the sermon and the words of Habakkuk this morning. He may be answering you through prayer. He may be answering you through your friend. He may be answering you. But you must first cry out to him. Secondly, you must listen for him. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, it has hastened to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. This is our first point this morning wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. This phrase is used over and over again throughout the scriptures. Wait upon the Lord. And it can be kind of confusing. What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? Are we, are we supposed to put our, our, our sit down and, and wait at a bus stop for the Lord to come? What are we waiting on? Isaiah forty thirty one is a special verse for me. Notice what it says. As it relates to Habakkuk. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What does that say in verse 2? Write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. And then Isaiah is talking about this running and not being weary in the same breath as waiting upon the Lord. There is a sense in which waiting equals endurance. A running with endurance. Some of you runners here know what it is to run with endurance. You run with the expectation of hope that there is a finish line in front of you. And that finish line outweighs the pain in which your legs are crying out, Stop me. Walk 
for me. Marathon runners call this point in the race where it becomes almost too difficult to continue hitting the wall. It happens between the 18th and 23rd mile. I do not know that from experience. If you're wondering, maybe someday. But 18th and 23rd mile, you get to a point where you hit the wall. You have eight miles or, or five miles left. That's, that's not a small task, right? And you're done. You're gassed. You're exhausted. Your mind is telling you, stop. And you can't see the finish line. It's not close. In the heat of the moment, everything is hurting. The physical and mental pain is excruciating and literally you're waiting, trusting that the finish line will come. It will come to an end. And when you get to that 23rd mile, you see the finish line in front of you, you pick up that wind and you finish. But those 18 of the 23rd miles, you hit the wall and you got to wait. This is the life of a believer in Christ. Some of you are maybe maybe closer to the end and you're 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 walking with the Lord. Some of you are in that 18 to 23 mile of your life and it's a struggle. You're wondering if you should turn to the world and its desires. You got questions that you got for God. Unanswered questions. I mean, when is he going to end all this injustice? What about my suffering? And yet the Lord calls you to endurance. To wait with the hope that God will be waiting for you in the end. Psalm 27 is David's prayer during his time of trouble, his time of testing, his time where he hits the wall, he is struggling. And Psalm 27 ends like this, wait for the Lord Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Hope in the Lord. If you read Psalm 27, you understand this passage in Habakkuk, its context. This waiting is a type of trusting in the Lord and his promises, even when it looks horrendous. In the moment. It's an expectant faith. A hope. That God. Knows knows you. He knows what's going on. And he has a plan. This is Psalm 27 in its beginning. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. 
Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. I don't know about you, but an evil army encamped against me. I'm shaking in my boots. David says, I will be confident. Why? Because I will wait on the Lord. I will hope in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. And that's what God is calling Habakkuk to do. To wait. To trust. To hope. To place his faith in God. Part of waiting upon the Lord is battling fear and doubt. With what? With truth. What does the Lord say? Write it down. Listen to the words that I'm going to speak. The promises of God that will come. How do you trust in God amidst all the questions of life and pain and our society that we live? We fill our mind with truth. Then we trust in that truth and we keep running the race and it allows us to run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint. We persevere as Christians because of our faith in God. We wait upon the Lord. So what does God promise here? He promises the complete destruction of Babylon. Look at verse 4. Behold, his soul is puffed up. He's talking about Babylon here. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. And he he goes on and he talks about what he will do to Babylon. And he gives five woes in chapter 2. Woe to these people who he describes at Babylon. This is our second point this morning. The prideful will come to an end in God's judgment. The prideful will come to an end in God's judgment. The mighty Babylon and all that it represents, it will come to an end. When you think of Babylon, your mind should immediately go to the world. The kingdom of darkness to Satan's rule and reign on the earth. 1 John 2.16 describes it like this. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. That is Babylon. That is the descriptor of the world of Babylon. Habakkuk 1.11 describes Babylonians as those whose own might is their God, their power, their strength, their military prowess, their economic prosperity has become their God. They live for that. Everything that they do is for their name to be lifted and exalted. You don't have to go very far to see that in our world. It's called Instagram. And this attitude of pride is against God 
and against his name to be made great. Robbing God of his glory is not necessarily where you want to be as you align yourself with Babylon. And God declares that the world and its power will be brought low. The military tech, their horses will be brought to nothing. And he brought, pronounces woes in Babylon in chapter 2. We're not going to read it. But he says, woe to the plunderer. Those who take goods from somebody else, you will be plundered. Woe to the cheater or the thief who takes what is not his to be rich himself. You will be shamed. Woe to the unrighteous builder who kills to make his house. You will be undone. Woe to the shameless who does wicked and perverse things. You will be shamed. Woe to the makers of silent idols as you will be made speechless. So God pronounces judgment five times upon the Babylonians. And so God is telling Habakkuk, even though I'm sending Babylon to come for you, Jerusalem, I will enact my judgment upon them as well. And right in the middle of the woes of judgment amongst the Babylonians, amongst the prideful and the arrogant, he gives a promise in verse 14. Read it with me. Chapter 2, verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's a promise. Live by faith righteous. And how are those who have faith in God declared righteous? Because they wait upon the Lord God and they trust that he will provide for them their salvation. And Paul tells us how he did it. Amen? Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, speaking of the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Amen? It is the power of God for salvation, the good news message that Jesus came down from heaven to die on a cross for sinners. God's provision of his salvation. We will wait upon the Lord. We will trust that God will forgive our sin. We will trust that God will make us clean and right with him so that we can be made new and live with him forever no matter what our life looks like. The righteous shall live by faith. Living in faith that God's word is true. That he is about salvation through Jesus Christ. No matter what storm or trial hits. That we will rejoice in the Lord God. That we will take joy in the God of our salvation. Church, 
I believe that many of you in this room have gone through times like Habakkuk's going through in which there's no fruit on the vine. It is a complete barren desert. Your life does not look as if you are a child of the living God. You struggled through issues in your life. Church, you know you've been through that. And guess what? There are people in this room today who are struggling in that moment right now. They're suffering from their sickness. They're suffering from their marriage. They're suffering from the evil of this world, whether they did it to themselves or they did it, or it's just the result of the brokenness of our world. Anyhow, it's happening to them. They've got questions for the Lord God Almighty. I'd like to do something a bit different this morning as we worship. I'm going to call our worship team up and I'd like to pray over those that are struggling. And so how we're going to do that this morning is we're going to just spend some time in prayer. So if you'll close your eyes and bow your heads. I'd really like for you to assess your own heart. Not the heart of the person next to you, but your own heart. And say, you know what? I feel exhausted. Either in my own struggle, or I feel exhausted from the weight of the world and the things that are happening around me. And I really need the power of God to give me faith to wait upon the Lord. If, you, if that's you this morning and that rings true in your own life and you're suffering in a wide variety of difficulty, I'd like for you to just stand up for a moment. I know that takes a lot of, of boldness, but I'd really love for you to just stand up and say, you know what, I'm working through things. You don't even know, we don't even know, need to know what it is that you're struggling with. If you just stand up where you are, a bunch of people are gonna come around you and they're gonna pray for you. And our church is gonna lay hands on you and they're gonna pray over you where you are at. So if you need to stand up, now's the time to stand up and say, I need, I need the Lord. I need to wait upon the Lord. I'm gonna trust in faith in my God and I'm gonna have the church around me pray for me. This is what the church does. It takes time to pray for one another whatever you're going through. So church, look around you and go to somebody around you, lay your hands on them and begin praying over them. If you're standing up and you don't have anybody 
that's going around you right now, I'd just like you to raise your hand and somebody will come around you. And as we play this song, I really just want you to pray. If you haven't laid your hands on somebody around you, just pray for those that are. As we lift up and cry out to the Lord God for help. Father God, we are people who are in need of your grace. We're in need of healing in our life. Father, this world is hard. There's a lot of things that are difficult. But we need you. And Father, we want to have faith like Habakkuk. We want to have faith that even there's no fruit on the vines, that we trust in our God and his promises, the God of salvation, because he is our strength. He makes us to be able to run even when we hit the wall. Lord, give us the strength this morning to trust in you in difficulty. No matter our situation, no matter our suffering, we know that you are bringing about goodness in our life and we trust that, Lord. In Jesus' name. You continue to pray over your people. We're going to sing. Continue to spend time in worship, in prayer, asking the Lord to do a work.